It's time for JT the Brick. Welcome in to our brand new coverage. We need to come in hardcore. Raiders got a bunch of guys. Back in the old days, they had legends. He gets the Raiders. He understands the Raiders. He's going to be a great Raider. Well, show it to me. No penalties. The only holes that I see on this team are linebackers. There's going to be some moments this year that are going to be top sledding. Okay, one of them could be now. I got it all for you. Keep it PG. No, never happened. I'd like to get this show going the way I know how to get the show going. Our standard is high. We coming. It's time to fire this thing up. How you listening to? Who are you getting this garbage from? JT the Brick. Hey, look at me. I'm the needy radio guy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. We are ready to rock. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Are you with me? One guy kind of throws the fuel into the fire. So sound off like you got up here and get going. Use the phone like a weapon. We need to leave a wake of destruction. That's all I had this week for you. And now, Raider Nation unite! Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you today. Steelers week as we embrace that. As Mike Tomlin would say, we embrace the opportunity, right? Mike Tomlin would say, we don't expect, we, we embrace the opportunity. We, here in the Raider Nation, embrace the opportunity to go 2-1 and one and to win on Sunday night football around the globe. Are you with me? Are you with me on that? Do you embrace it here for a couple of days? You're not going to get a Sunday night football game like this, one and one, everybody. You're not going to get 87 degrees walking over the Hacienda Bridge. You're not going to get what you're going to get, and you get a lot of entertainment with this team. I mean a lot. But you are not going to get entertainment like this with what they have planned. Wink, wink. I mean, this is a big deal, everybody. This is a big deal. So if you're fortunate enough to have tickets, if you're fortunate enough to have them and you didn't sell them to those scoundrels from the Steelers and you feel pretty good about this opportunity, sound off like you got a pair. We got a lot to cover today. I just interviewed the head coach. I'm back home at my home studio. I finished the interview with the coach. He said something very unique that he's never told me in any of my interviews. I'm the only guy he talks to one-on-one. He said something really interesting, and I'm going to leave it for tomorrow. I'm going to play it tomorrow when we play the interview on Friday. But I'm telling you, this coach is fired up. Do you know that Josh McDaniels has coached more games on Sunday night football than any other coach in the history of Sunday night football other than Bill Belichick? And I went over the numbers that were fascinating today. Basically, Sunday Night Football was born in 2006 on NBC. ESPN had it before that, but once NBC paid all the money to go get it, it became bigger than Monday Night Football. Because Monday Night Football was the number one brand for nationally televised football for decades. And then NBC said, no, no, we're going to take over. We're going to pay more. We want Sunday night football. We're going to have Al Michaels. We're going to have all these unbelievable people, and we're going to do that. So when they took it over, it was 2006. The absolute dominance and the glory years of the New England Patriots. They played in so many games. The two teams that have played in the most Sunday night games are the New England Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys, no surprise, America's team, who hasn't won since Michael Irvin, right? I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year, by the way. I picked them to win this year, the Dallas Cowboys. But so Josh McDaniels, if you look at all the coaches that coached for the Dallas Cowboys, most of them got fired. Follow me here. Most of them got fired, the offensive coordinators, the defensive coordinators. Not Josh McDaniels. He coached in more of these games than anybody alongside Bill Belichick. So nobody knows Sunday night football as good as this coach. So in the interview today, 
I asked him about his difference between Monday night football, Sunday. You know, he said it's easier travel. Sunday night, you're done. You're not behind. You're not behind in preparation for the next week. He told me Monday night, if you play on the road and then you fly home and get home at six in the morning, six in the morning, you're behind not only a day, but you're physically tired. You're trying to catch up the entire week. And I really was intrigued with his answer on that. But then I asked him about the Steelers rivalry. And I teed up the coach by saying, if you go downstairs, because we're in the TV podcast studio, and I go, if you go downstairs, there could be three or four or two or three more Lombardi trophies just in the 70s alone, but the Steelers won those games. And he lit up. He lit up. He had a lot to say about the Steelers. I'll, I'll leave it at that. This coach and this organization does not like the Steelers. That's the takeaway that I'm leading you with today on Thursday as we get into the weekend. This organization does not like the Steelers, personally. So that's a nice little backdrop heading into this game. So I want to tease ahead that interview tomorrow if it doesn't come out already today, later on at Raiders.com. But in all my conversations I've had with Coach McDaniels, all of them, this was the most memorable one for me. Okay, again, he's not going to talk about Chandler Jones. He's not. Okay, he's not going to say that his players stink. We don't go down that road. We look at the tape. He talked about what they needed to do, how they practiced in pads. He also told me exclusively live that Jacoby Myers has passed protocol. He passed protocol today. So Jacoby Myers, good to go. Devontae Adams, good to go. Hunter Renfro, good to go along with Michael Mayer. All hands on deck for Sunday night football. Now, I'm this close. You can't see my fingers. They're this close to calling this a must-win game, which is everything I'm against. I don't, I don't do dramatic must-win game stuff. You know, I scream Raider Nation Unite, try to get a toast in the parking lot. Come on, Raider fans, let's go. You know, a little juvenile behavior for me from time to time, but I don't like to go with the must-win. I'm damn close. I'm really close to this game being a really unique game in the history of Allegiant Stadium. Here's what I know. In the history of Allegiant Stadium, I opened up my Facebook page today, and I went into memories, and three years ago, three years ago, we had a game in front of no fans. And I had a video, and i got to find a way to share it again, a video in my memories of a touchdown being scored that I videotaped from the press box with no one in the building. I think there's like 11 of us in the building. Probably one of the wildest things I can say in my career, that I was in a building during an NFL game where you could hear the players and the blocks and you could hear the coaches on the sideline call the game in because obviously it was COVID and no one was there. And I was there. I was fortunate to be in the building when the fans weren't allowed in the building. And that just jumped out at me. I paused for a second when I looked at my Facebook memories and I said, oh, my God. Spent a whole year inside that building without the fans. Fans weren't allowed in because of COVID restrictions. And I'm looking back on this date, and I'm seeing uh, some unique pictures. Three years ago, a touchdown on September 21st, 2020, no one in the stands. And then I started looking at this. Three years ago, Carol Davis, wife of the late Al Davis, and mother to owner Mark Davis, lights the Al Davis Memorial Torch for the first time in Las Vegas. Truly a moment I won't forget. And as Mrs. Davis lit the torch, there was no one there on the Coors Light landing. No one. No one. It was empty. 
the whole scene behind the torch where we have the stage set up for Sunday night, Every, all the fans that line up around the torch, and there was not a human being there. It was just incredible to take us back that time. So what I'm saying here is if you look at losing a year to the fans due to COVID and you look at everything that's happened with the opener, remember we won that first ever game by beating Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I think one of the greatest regular season games of all time, all time, was knocking the Chargers out of the playoffs. The final game of the year, two years ago, they got the Raiders to the playoffs. That's going to be hard to beat. That's going to be hard to beat, man. Remember that? Do the Raiders call a timeout and kick a field goal? They go for it. They get the first. Whatever they're going to do here, the Raiders win the game. That's going to be hard to top. I believe, and this is only if they win the game, and I believe they will win this game, this will be one of the greatest nights in the history of Allegiant Stadium. Uh, again, I know there's going to be Steelers fans. There's trolls out there. How many Steelers fans? Terrible towels. I get it. I'm just telling you with what I know behind the scenes, with the entertainment they have lined up, pregame, halftime, the energy, Sunday night football, the tailgating, everything is off the bleeping charts. It is going to be magnificent. The only thing that could take damper it is if the Raiders lose. So I don't think the players are running around town going, oh my God, we're going to lose. I think they all think they're going to win. Uh, sitting down with Josh McDaniels in studio today, he is worked up worked up in a good way he's got a lot of history on Sunday night he's got a lot of history of winning on Sunday night but not with this team and it was interesting his response when he told me what he thought of the Steelers I'll leave it at that so I'm juiced up man I'm ready to go as we are brought to you by Golden Entertainment they fuel the monologue they own the Strat and coming up I'm really excited I'm seeing their event coming up on Friday night which is going to be beautiful outside at the pool. Uh, food is art. There's going to be a lot of great restaurants there providing food, entertainment, and I'll be the MC for the event. It's for charity for ALS, Nevada's ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. That's a really important fundraiser here in town. It's a big one. So that'll be my Friday night. Friday, tomorrow, noon to 2, I'm hosting this show from Top Golf, And we're going to be there. A couple of guys from the Black Hole are coming. A lot of friends are coming. Uh, get there in advance. I'll probably get there around 11 in the morning to start at noon. You know, no traffic worries. Just get there and come have a beer with me. I definitely will have a beverage when no one's looking. I'm joking. You know, at some point, the bucket of Modelo's will be presented to me. They will be dripping wet, ice cold in a bucket. These glorious Modelo's will be in front of me and we'll be toasting some Modelo's. So please come out tomorrow noon to two as we'll be there brought to you by Modelo. So what else about the game do you want to get into today? I'll go first. Uh, they got two players on the, this team that are animals. They're absolute beasts. They'll take your head off. They'll throw you to the ground. They'll rip the ball out of your hand, and they'll bring it in for a touchdown. The Steelers' defense on Monday night, the defense alone had six sacks, four takeaways, and two touchdowns. Holy crap. We're just dying for anybody on this team to get a turnover. I'm sitting here with Eric Allen. Can we get a turnover, please? Can we get a tip ball interception? You don't have to run it back to the end zone. Take a knee. I don't care. Just intercept the football. And the Steelers come through. Six sacks, four takeaways, and two touchdowns. That's their defense. OMG, these guys are unbelievable. They're ferocious. This kid, Alex Highsmith, won the AFC Defensive Player of the Week in Week 2. How's this for a stat line? Seven tackles, one sack, one interception for a touchdown 
for a linebacker edge rusher. Okay, how do we handle these guys? Well, Jermaine Illuminor has got a really good grade. Do you see his grade at Pro Football Focus? I tweeted it out today and, and tweeted him. I mean, he's got a nice grade. Colt Miller, I believe this will be the first of his Pro Bowls this year. Pro Bowl, Colt Miller. So they're pretty good on the edge. Andre James, what they're trying to do in the middle here, Van Roten, they're trying to get the guards, Dylan Parham. They got to play better. They got to play better because at times they didn't play badly. There's been some clean pockets. There's been a lot of clean pockets for Jimmy G to throw, but their manhood has been tested because they can't bleep and run the ball. How dare this happen? This is an offensive line that led the way for the leading rusher in the NFL, the leading rusher. And the leading rusher in the NFL became the first ever running back to lead the league in rushing and have negative yards in a game, minus two. If they aren't breaking lockers, throwing crap up against the wall, coming out with face paint on this offensive line to open up holes for Josh Jacobs, they never will. They have got to come out of the tunnel on Sunday night so focused to open up holes and run right at T.J. Watt and Highsmith. Run them over. You know the snap count. They don't. You know where the play is going. They don't. Someone get up there, and I'm not asking you to be up Sean Shell a Jim Otto. But someone's got to take control of this game at the line of scrimmage. The Raiders were manhandled at the point of attack on the offensive line and the defensive line by the Buffalo Bills. It was the varsity versus the JV. It was Bishop Gorman High School taking one of these tinier schools in Vegas and taking all the subs out and putting in the third strings in this game. They manhandled the Raiders. So if they didn't have a physical practice this week, Coach McDaniels told me they put, he put him in pads yesterday, just like Eric Allen. Man, Eric Allen's good, just like he told me. He said, they're going to have a rough week. I go, what do you mean, EA? He goes, oh, I've been through this before. He, he was coached by Buddy Ryan. And EA said, if we had a game like this, we'd be in pads next week. Different era now. You can't put players in pads. The union, the NFL Players Union want walkthroughs. They don't want practices in pads. They don't want anybody to touch each other during the week. They want everybody just to go there and have walkthroughs and go to meetings. Josh McDaniels put him in pads. Yeah, I think you know why he did. Because they were dominated physically in a game against the Buffalo Bills on the other side of the country. That cannot happen at home on Sunday night on NBC. The whole world will see it. The whole world didn't see the Bills game. They didn't. The whole world will watch Sunday night football. The home opener at Allegiant Stadium. So everybody needs to be at their best. Everybody needs their A game. Everybody has to be challenged and tested, and they have to be told to do their job or someone else is going to do the job for them. We're not at that point in the season. Nowhere near that point in the season. But if the Raiders can go to 2-1 and one and remain on top of the AFC West in first place, and I believe the Chargers will lose at Minnesota to go to 0-3, uh, Denver's got a chance on the road to go 0-3. The Raiders can be in control of their future destiny of being in contention for a wild card. Did you hear what I said? If they win on Sunday night to go to 2-1, and one, they can go 3-1, and 2-2, two two. they can go 4-4, four and 5-3, four, whatever it is. They're in control of their destiny going forward. This isn't an elite team. They're not a Super Bowl team. But they better be in contention on Monday morning. They better be in contention and not 1-2, and two, and they should be 2-1. and one. If that happens... We're going to have a hell of a ride, man, next week. And if not, you're going to be pointing a lot of fingers at why they couldn't win against Kenny Pickett. 
We're playing Kenny Pickett. He's good. He's in the NFL. He's an NFL quarterback. He's good. But you got to be able to beat Kenny Pickett. Do you know the last time a Steelers quarterback won a game against the Raiders on the road? This is an amazing stat. Neil O'Donnell in 1995. Ben Roethlisberger was 0-4 in Oakland. Oh, I love that stat. Oh, my God, that's so good. Say it again. Ben Roethlisberger in his career was 0-4 in Oakland. So he's going to get a gold jacket, but it's not because of the Raiders. Tyreek Hill's going to get a gold jacket and Travis Kelsey because of the Raiders. They have dominated the Raiders. All their stats are putting him in the Hall of Fame, not Big Ben, and he's going in. So it's been a long time. And Kenny Pickett beat the Raiders at home, but this is on the road at Allegiant Stadium. So everybody's got to be at their best, as we said on the radio. Everybody on this channel has to be at their best. Everybody's got to understand that Sunday night is bigger than Monday night. It's bigger than a road day game. It's just bigger. And I think everybody should rise to the challenge and play well. I think there's some good football players on this team. They're all good. There's a couple of great players like Devontae Adams and Mad Max Crosby. I think Josh Jacobs has been great in his career. He's got to get going. Colton Miller is potentially a great player. Daniel Carlson is a kicker, and A.J. Cole's a punter are great. They're above average. But everybody else has got to play better. Everybody else has got to play with a pulse. they got to play with anger and intensity. And they got to play like this is the last game of their career. When they come out of the tunnel, if anybody on this team puts on tape that they didn't hustle sideline to sideline like Max Crosby, just bench him and bring in, bring in the practice squad guys. Just do it. If, if they got guys on this team that show up on tape and they didn't play well and they had a game like they did in Buffalo, give them one more game and say, hey, we're going to give you one more game. We got a roster. We got a practice squad. Put the pressure on these players to play a great game. Coach the hell out of them. Get in their face and demand greatness from them in this game. You know what I'm talking about. You know the players who don't need that type of coaching, and you know the players that need that type of coaching. And they have to have it this week. And from my conversation with Josh McDaniels, they're pretty worked up. They're ready to go, and I think you're going to be able to see that. 702-365-9200 as we get going here and I'm excited for the game. I got a lot of friends in town. There's a lot of good events here that we'll go through and the opportunity for you to be a part of a bunch of parties, uh, go to the I'll be at their party. You better believe I'll be at their party Saturday night. Are you kidding me? A whole Raider nation's going to be there. I'll be there too. Details coming up on that. Let's start off with Chris in West Oakland who grew up with the rivalry against the Steelers. Hey, JT. Yeah, you know, I'm going to put off my game analysis and predictions until tomorrow. I wanted to devote a phone call this week strictly to this rivalry, and you're right. I'm going to go Raider Mord on you a little bit and reminisce. My first Raider game I ever attended was the week before the Immaculate Reception. My dad started taking me to games. I grew up during the 70s going to football games, and for a 10-year period from 74 to 83, the Raiders and the Steelers won seven Super Bowls combined. These are some of the greatest teams of all time, some of the greatest games of all time. And if you want to talk about the Raiders-Steel rivalry, even as a fan, it just hits different. Other than the Chiefs, as far as the non-divisional rivalry goes, JT, I don't think in the last hundred years there's been a better rivalry, non-division, than the Raiders and the Steelers. Both cities knew the road to the Super Bowl 
<clears throat> either went through Pittsburgh or Oakland. Yeah, Miami was in the mix also. But it was just a special time. And you're right about old school. These teams hated each other. You go back to 1976, one of the greatest games I ever attended, when the Raiders were down by five minutes left, 28-14 against the great Steel Curtain. Stabler brought them back. They scored 17 points in four and a half minutes and what set them off to their 16-1 and Super Bowl winning season. In that game, Mel Blunt literally picked Cliff Branch up off the ground and pile-drived his head into the ground. That was the game where George Atkinson literally, like, you know, he, he, he ran down Lynn Swan behind the play and clubbed him like a baby seal in the back of the head, knocking him out. That was the kind of stuff that went on every game. It was just football back then. I'm not condoning some of the stuff that went on. They couldn't do it today. You want to get the tone of the Raiders, Steve Ivory? I know you had him on last week. There's nobody better than the great Phil Villapiano. In an NFL films clip, Phil Villapiano loves to point out that on the Raiders' first Super Bowl ring, on the side of that ring, they put the score of the AFC Championship game, 24 Oakland, Pittsburgh 7. No team has ever done that before or since. And as Phil Villapiano so elegantly quoted, that, my friends, is how much we hated the Pittsburgh Steelers. And when the Steelers come to town, it hits different. Other than the Chiefs and the divisional rivals and maybe the 49ers because of the fan rivalry, there's nothing like a Steeler game. And you're right about Big Ben. It just blows me away that he was 0-4 because he lost to some really bad teams in Oakland, JT. A 2-4 and team, a couple of 4-12 and teams. But the Steelers have always struggled out here on the West Coast since, the, since they beat the Raiders in the championship game in Oakland in 74 when I was eight years old. And I remember walking out with my dad just in tears because the Raiders weren't going to the Super Bowl last year. And that was one of my first first things. I'm really torn up that I can't be there this week. Unfortunately, I've got a celebration of life I have to go to this weekend that I couldn't get out of because there's very few games I love attending more than the Raiders-Steelers. And there's nothing more than I would love for this rivalry to become relative relative again. Because while the... The, the hatred of the 70s has given way to respect and how lucky we were to watch all the great Hall of Fame players on both sides of the ball and how much they all respect each other. There's still a hatred for the Steelers deep down that while I respect them, I'd like nothing more for both these teams to become relative again, find a way to meet in the playoffs, because like they said, JT, football's a better place when the Raiders and the Steelers are both relevant and they both hate each other and they're both playing in big games. I'll give you my call tomorrow uh, breaking down this game. But, again, it gets my blood flowing, JT. There's nothing like a Raiders-Steeler game, and there was nothing like growing up with the Raiders-Steeler rivalry. How could you not get hooked on football when those were your first experiences? Thank you, my friend. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, if you grew up in the 70s, which I did, and you saw those games on TV, it, it was just incredible. And there was a, it's the backdrop of the NFL. And it's not a division rivalry. It's a conference rivalry. And those games changed everything. It changed everything. And the Steelers' defense is really good, and it was really good back in the day. And the Raiders got to take ownership of Allegiant Stadium and win games there and make it tough. Again, I know there's going to be fans. I know what the split's going to look like. I get it. But what's going to come down to is this stadium is the home stadium of the Raider Nation. Everybody's got to walk in there expecting to win because this is where they play their best football. They play their best football at home, and they're ready to play in this building, and they're ready to go. Uh, Chris makes a good point. I just saw this tweet from Jarrett Bailey that Vic Tafer retweeted just uh, a little while ago. The Steelers' 19.6 yards per drive is dead last in the NFL. 
Eight offensive points per game. Worst in the NFL. 0.4 points per minute of possession. Worst in the NFL. That's who's coming in. But they got to win. Just like the Raiders got that win in Denver. You don't care how to do it. They got the win. Getting the win is critical. We'll stay with your phone calls. Good day to get in. We're going to have Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's going to give you three games for free. If you're a sports gambler, Lee is one of the pros. He's going to give you free games. You got to be here to take advantage of that. That's coming up. Also, Jason Horowitz. He's the voice of the Raiders. He'll join us at 105 Pacific time. And then at 1.30, at the bottom of next hour, Shane Knighty's going to join us from the Golden Knights broadcast. The Golden Knights start camp today. I love the Golden Knights. We are the home of the Stanley Cup champions at Lotus Broadcasting, our sister station there. I love this hockey team. I love being a fan of it. I'm, I'm excited to talk hockey, and we'll mix in hockey when it's right, and today's the day of camp. But I'm exclusively... For this hour, for about another hour and 15 minutes, going crazy on the Steelers versus the Raiders. If you're going to a tailgate, find the best tailgate and get in there early. Uh, don't deal with any traffic. Get there early. Get over the Hacienda Bridge early. And then join me in the Black Hole on Friday night at Eye Candy. That's right in the lobby, right when you walk into Mandalay Bay. You can't miss it. They got a party that's going to be off the charts. Raider fans from all over the world are coming to that. So that's what we got on Saturday. And tomorrow is the big remote from noon to two at Top Golf. Love Top Golf. Haven't been there in a while. And uh, they're probably doing some construction for F1 around there. So get there early if you can. 702 365 9200. What's your favorite moment or your most memorable moment in the history of this rivalry? Because the rivalry now moves to Las Vegas for the first time. Steelers at Raiders Sunday Night Football. Two tight ends, snap, play action to Jacobs, fires Adams at the 15, has the 10 with the block at the 5, stiff arm at the 2, touchdown Devontae Adams! Raiders march the opening drive, 75 yards for a touchdown to Devontae Adams, his first of the year, and the Raiders go up 6-0 less than three minutes into the game. That was a beautiful drive. Jason Horowitz on the call, voice of the Raiders, not much after that, but... Jimmy's made some great throws already this year in Denver. Great throws. And on that drive, we just need to see more of it. Welcome back to the show. Join me for the live broadcast from Top Golf tomorrow, September 22nd, brought to you by Modelo. Enjoy specials of Modelo Especial, plus win prizes and take part in all that Top Golf has to offer. That's noon to two uh, this Friday, September 22nd at Top Golf, sponsored by Modelo, the official cerveza of the Raiders. And my show. Really excited about that. Uh, we've got a couple of surprises, good giveaways there tomorrow. If you can make it out there, really appreciate it. I want to get to this Devontae Adams soundbite. I got two sound bites I want to get to early in the show. Here's Devontae, and this went viral because he got hit at the end of the game on a pass down the middle where a rogue backup came all the way over and hit him. Here's what Devontae said. Look, I wasn't uh, I don't I don't want to continue to talk too much about it, but is you know, is was it unnecessary completely obviously and i mean and depending on how you look at it i mean certain players play a certain way too some people out of control they fly around they don't really have much true purpose out there i mean 
play in a half field on one side, you run over and hit somebody in the head on the other side of the field. I mean, that's the type of stuff that contributes to you not being on the field. You know, that's why you're in when you're blowing in the south by 25 at the end of the game, you know, and, you know, maybe maybe if that man learns how to play the game the right way, he'll see the field. But he, until then, he'll, he'll have to go and live off of plays like that, I guess. A couple of things. He sounds so much like Tim Brown, the voice, the focus, really Devontae and Tim Brown, the Hall of Famer. Devontae basically just said that there's, that player on the Bills is not playing as a starter because he's reckless. So Devontae basically put him in jail and said that. And Devontae is good to go. And Jacoby going through concussion protocol, coming out on the other side, Coach McDaniels told me he's good to go today. So you got a full strength. Devontae Adams, Jacoby, Hunter Renfro, who should get more targets. Look, we all know Hunter's got to get more targets. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money. They extended him. He's getting a lot of money. He's there. He had 104 receptions one year. We know what he can do. If the scheme is against Hunter, okay. The scheme is not against Hunter. The scheme is against Devontae. The scheme is against Josh Jacobs. It's not about stopping Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro can run any route there. He's just got to get more targets. And maybe Jimmy G will come out and feed Hunter and get him going. Because that's what good quarterbacks can do. Do you remember how many times Brady got Amendola, Welker going? All of those guys were fed by Tom Brady. They were not difficult passes. They were called by Josh McDaniels. They're like six, seven-yard routes. Now, every once in a while, one of those guys went deep, and they went deep and got behind coverage because they just were guys that played underneath, and then, boom, they tricked the safeties into going deep. So I hope that Jimmy and Hunter get going in this game. I really think they need to. 702-365-9200. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports at about 10 minutes. Ira in Tennessee on the Raiders mobile app. What's happening, Ira? Uh, yes, JT. First-time caller, long-time listener. I wanted to talk about uh, the offensive line of the Raiders. They haven't given up a sack yet, and I think it's going to continue Sunday at night, and they're going to they're going to protect Garoppolo, and Garoppolo's going to go off on Sunday night football. But I also wanted to mention my favorite Steelers-Raiders memory was back in 2013 when Terrell Pryor ran that 93-yard touchdown first play of the game. That was a great memory, wasn't that, when he took off? And I wanted to see that more. It's interesting you just said that because I've, I've seen that viral going out there, that, that run, longest run in Raider history, by a quarterback. And I thought Deshaun Watson should have did that the other night. You know, with the game on the line, I don't know if you watched the game, Ira, the Pittsburgh Steeler game, but Deshaun Watson – much better player than Terrell Pryor. And I thought he should have did the same thing with the game on the line. He wanted to be a pocket passer and try to beat the Steelers on these out routes. He's thrown the ball out of bounds. I thought he just should have ran the ball and tried to win the game that way. Well, well, you know, I live in Tennessee. I was actually at the game against the Chargers. I was so happy the Chargers lost. But I represent Raider Nation here in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you very much, JT. All right, so appreciate that. Thanks for checking in. You, know, you can look at great moments in the history of the rival. You know, I, I didn't grow up a Raider fan in the 70s, but I remember watching those games. And the Roethlisberger games on the sideline in Oakland, the trips I made to Pittsburgh. I made a couple of trips to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is one of the greatest walking cities I've ever been to. With the new ballpark, the new ballpark was not uh, where the Pirates play. They didn't have a game, but they let us in. Someone set it up that we could tour the ballpark. And we went to the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates Stadium. Fantastic. Oh, my God. It was incredible. Then we walked it. You know, we walked the Steelers Stadium, Heinz Field. And 
it's a tough trip for me because you know, I was living in L.A. when we went and other times. It was just a tough trip, and I don't have family that lives in Pittsburgh. So I didn't go on the trip often, but the two times I went, I had a beautiful time in Pittsburgh. The fans were good. It was overwhelming to be there for this rivalry. It's just that good, and the bar scene was fantastic. I just like going there. I love going there. I went to the U.S. Open at Oakmont. So I was in Pittsburgh for the U.S. Open when I was working for Fox and was there for that great U.S. Open golf tournament. That was a lot of fun. It's a good town. It's a really good sports town, bar town, to have a good time. And Raider fans like that. And the Steeler fans who are coming here have had plenty of time to prepare for this trip. They've had a lot of time to prepare for this. So when you say, you know, Steeler fans call me and they say, hey, dude, you have two tickets for me. I say, hell no. Well, what do you want to pay for them? What, what, can I, what can we pay you? I say, hell no. Okay, but if those Steeler fans are calling you and they want your tickets, I, I wouldn't sell them to a Steeler fan. I think there are Raider fans. This is a game where Raider fans want to come to the home opener and can't get in. Because every ticket sold, every ticket sold, PSL, the season ticket holders. So there are going to be a lot of fans at this game. And it's going to be a lot of black and gold at the tailgates and out there because everyone wants to come to Vegas. This is not about a Raider thing. Everybody's got a, you know, it's football, I get it. This is about Las Vegas. People want to get an excuse to tell their wives. Can you imagine being a Pittsburgh Steeler fan and telling your wife you're going on a boys' trip to Vegas? And all of a sudden the wife goes, what'd you say? And then you go, no, no, I, I didn't say bachelor party, honey. I didn't say I'm going for March Madness with the eternal order of the men of khaki pants. I'm actually going to see your team, honey. You're my wife. You're not coming, but you love the Steelers. I'm going with six of the guys to Vegas. And that's why they're coming, because they, they're coming to Vegas to go to pool parties and go to nightclubs and go to steakhouses and, and just have the time of their life. They don't have that in Pittsburgh. They have nothing close to that in Pittsburgh. And with all due respect to Inglewood, you know, you can go to Hollywood and have the night of your life, right? In Seattle, you can go to Pioneer Square and have a good time. It's not Las Vegas. New York, the Giants and the Jets don't play in New York City. They play at MetLife. It's a dump. It's a dump. So everyone wants to come to Vegas or Miami. You know, Miami, if your team's playing in Miami, God, you can go to South Beach. You can go to Hollywood, Florida. You can go to Fort Lauderdale. It's a great place to get away and go on the road. But Vegas is the NFL on steroids. What's been built out here is tremendous. If you want to nitpick about the fans, fair enough. That's why we have radio. If you want to nitpick about the traffic for F1, if you want to blank and moan about all these other topics, you can. Or you can embrace it and go have a good time, and that's what I do. I think this is going to be one of the best times we've had in Vegas for sports in a long time. It's going to be that big of a deal, and Sunday Night Football knows it. NBC knows it. There's a big one for them. Thor and Summerlin. How are you, Thor, man? Looking forward to seeing you a bunch this weekend. What's happening? JT, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. I know you got to work tonight, but I'll be barbecuing tonight to kick off the, the Starter Raider weekend, baby. Let's go. Uh, I'm fired up, man. I'm fired up, JT. It was, you know, it was a little disappointing last week, that, that, but things spiraled out of control. You know what? We're one and one after two. We got the opportunity now to go two and one after two against a Pittsburgh team with a really good defense, but a really iffy offense. So, Let's go out there and win a home game. Uh, more so, I mean, we can talk about their great D-line the, the, of the Steelers. We can talk about our own smack, whatever. I want to talk about the fans 
need to show up. Uh, I know there's a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans who are going to be out here. You know what? I don't care if they outnumber us 60 to 40. Be louder than them. Be prouder than them. Talk more than them. Let them know that you're at our house. You know what I'm saying? And I'm tired of people whining and complaining about whatever. If you ain't out there, don't say nothing to us who are out there defending the silver and black. You know? Um, let's go. Let's go get this win. Let's be two and one after three and let the whole conversation start to turn. Because I really believe that, that last week spiraled out of control. It got worse than it should have been. Um, but that was one game. I'm not, I'm not giving up after one bad game in week two. I mean, we won week one. If we'd be only two, maybe I'm a little more worried, but I'm, I'm, I'm not. AT, I'm not. Let's go out and get this win. Be more men than them. I'm not scared of, of Pickett or whatever the hell their quarterback's name is. He's, he's, he's an okay dude, but he's not, he's not the guy that's going to beat us. Let's get this win. You got it, Thor. Thank you. You're you're right about one thing. The people who complain about the crowd, you know, the fans who are there, the Raider fans are there. They're not complaining. They're out there having a good time. They're out there trying to cheer and have a lot of fun. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for a tailgate. Maybe have an opportunity to tailgate early and get out there and go have a couple of beverages and be outside with weather like this where it isn't 115 degrees, right? It's not 115. It's just gorgeous. The sun is setting at night. It's fantastic. I want to tell you a real quick story, and then we'll come back in a minute. Last night, I, my wife and I took out to dinner Elizabeth Jones. She's the widow of Deacon Jones, very important person in my life, in my wife's life. So she was married to Deacon Jones, the greatest defensive end ever, okay, ever, as in Reggie White and J.J. Watt and Mean Joe Green. It's Deacon Jones one and everybody else. And we had dinner with her, and then Gina Marinelli, who has the restaurant La Strega by my house, her dad's Rod Marinelli. And Rod is arguably the greatest defensive line coach of all time. With all the Hall of Famers, he's the first coach of Max Crosby. So we sat down and talked football for about three hours at dinner last night. It was really a special night to talk to this beautiful woman, the widow of Deacon Jones, about Deacon's relationship. And I got to know Deacon really well. I did a couple of events for him before he died in the Deacon Jones Foundation. It was just a great night to talk football. And to see Gina Marinelli, one of the great chefs in town, really a special chef. She's fantastic. Talk about her dad. She's like a little girl on the phone calling her dad. I'm with Deacon Jones's widow. We're talking about you. It was just a great football night. And the last time I was at the Santana concert a couple of weeks ago, that was cosmic, man. That was heavy Carlos raining down tunes on me. So I was talking football last night, the history of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, all that. Just really cool. I wanted to thank uh, Gina Marinelli again from La Strega. Uh, Elizabeth Jones, what a beautiful woman who has a great history with this league. And Deacon Jones, the greatest defensive end, maybe one of the greatest defensive players, period, of all time. He's on any short list. When we come back, Lee Sterling will join us from Paramount Sports. He's going to give you three games for free. Let me see if I can get you one of them here pretty quick. Lee Sterling's really good. Also, Tommy White tomorrow. So what has he got? Last week he was 2-1 and one outright. Gave us Florida outright over Tennessee. Ooh, he's got Philadelphia, Tampa Bay. Ooh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, all for free. For all you gamblers, you're going to get some free picks coming up next.
14 straight is unacceptable. And um, that's, you know, that's unacceptable. We're, you know, I'm, I'm 0-2 against them. That's unacceptable. You know, I inherited, a, you know, I walked into a, to a, um, a team that, you know, we haven't, we haven't beat the Patriots. And, and, and I feel like that's why they brought me here and, and brought me and Sauce here and, and the guys here to make things like that change. So it's, it's time that we, you know, do what we get paid for. I love that soundbite. That's Garrett Wilson of the Jets. After losing all those games, 14 in a row to the Patriots. Oh, my God. Lee Sterling joins us from Paramount Sports, where, Lee, you gave us Florida outright over Tennessee, even though Tennessee was ranked higher. Uh, Florida owns Tennessee. Is that one of the easiest picks? Was that just handed to you on a silver platter? That's beautiful. Lee, are you there? It's Tennessee. So, Philip Fulmer, uh, (laughs) he started the slide, and it just continues. Incredible game there. That was a freebie, and we appreciate that. All right, so Lee, let's jump into some of these games coming up because last week I just think the whole story seems to be Dion. Every game is about Dion Sanders. That's all anybody wants to talk about. Now we jump into this game, Oregon minus 21 against Prime. And look, I'm not pulling for Dion. I'm not getting free sunglasses. I'm not kissing his ass like everyone in media. Well, that's a lot of points, man. That's a lot of points for Shador, who really looks like one of the premier quarterbacks. How do you see this one? I mean, he looks great. Number two in passing offense, but now he's going to be without his top weapon. And, and, and also on defense, they're going to miss their best cornerback and maybe one of the top four or five in the country here. And they're going to have to run the ball some. They have just 127th rushing attack out of 133 teams here. The Ducks like to play fast here. Bo Nix, how good has he been so far this year under the radar? 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. They had almost a 400-yard edge over Hawaii in their last game here. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. Blowout city. The Oregon Ducks 56, Colorado 24. You got Prime being embarrassed and blown out in this game. I love it. That finally, someone with, with some sense of reality there. If he ends up winning this game, we'll remember this one. I don't get what's going on with Ohio State. Minus three at Notre Dame here. I thought Ohio State had a much better roster here. Notre Dame's bringing back Tim Brown, Joe Theismann. It's a big game. It's a huge game. they got a lot going on behind the scenes at Notre Dame. And I look at the coaching here. I, I just thought Ohio State overall, this team, especially their corners, their defensive line, Harrison at wide receiver, had better personnel than Notre Dame. Is Ohio State only a three-point favorite because it's built into the history of this rivalry and the fact that Notre Dame knows how to bring out their big guns when they have to? Well, home field is, is big in college football. We know that. And this Ohio State roster is better. I mean, let's be honest. But the most important player is the quarterback. And sometimes it's worth seven, maybe 10, 12 points. Sam Hartman. How big has he been for Notre Dame? Well, last year, the Irish quarterbacks, after three games, had three touchdowns and three interceptions. This year, 15 touchdowns and no interceptions after four games. Ohio State, last year, rolling along. C.J. Stroud, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. This year, a rather decent, but nothing special. Seven touchdowns and two interceptions here. The Ohio State running backs are great, but so far this year, the Notre Dame duo 
averaging 8.3 and 6.6 yards per carry here in Ohio State, 1-7 and against the spread as a road favorite. The wrong team is favored. I like Notre Dame outright 28-24. Wow, Notre Dame with the upset. They'll be going crazy in South Bend. As Zach goes down, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Go to ParamountSports.com, the new website. It's fantastic. Lee's transparent. He puts every pick up there so you can see it. Uh, We're going to go to Monday Night Football, Philadelphia minus four and a half at Tampa Bay. You know how much I like Baker Mayfield, and he showed up beating Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, and then the home opener. I got that one right. I thought he played big, and they won and covered the spread here. I see that 62% of the money on this game is on Tampa Bay, 53% of the tickets. The line opened up minus seven. Now it's at five. I think you got it at four and a half. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. Yeah, Baker Mayfield has been great. Uh, I mean, not turning the ball over. That's key in the NFL. But now he's going to feel some pressure. And when the pocket collapses is where he has trouble. He tries to make sometimes too much out of nothing. Uh, instead of living to fight another day, Philadelphia, I believe, has the best defensive front seven in the NFL here. Mike Evans has been great. Chris Godwin, incredible. But I just think that we're going to see finally Jalen Hurts bring it all out. His two receivers even better. And now DeAndre Swift, are you kidding me? He might run for 150 again this week. I like Philadelphia, 30-17. to 17. Yeah, this will be a big test if Baker Mayfield can keep this close or win this game. He has arrived. And finally, hey, Lee, before we get to your game of the week and how to get it, what do you think of these back-to-back, these dual Monday night games? I think this is garbage. I'm on Mad Dog, as you know, Monday night. There's two games going, and they're kind of overlapping each other. I think this is a greedy play by the NFL. Give us one Monday night game. If If it's week one and you got an East Coast game and that historical West Coast rivalry, I get it. Why are they putting a game on in Cincinnati and Tampa Bay overlapping each other? I don't get it either. You know, they're always trying to do studies, trying to bring in more Mm. money. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe uh, we'll have it. You know, we've got it on Amazon Prime now on on Thursdays. Uh, Disney might be Disney uh, Football Tuesday. I'm even going up to a game on Black Friday where the Dolphins play the Jets. So who knows? Uh, It never ends here, but... uh, I just like that one game. There's something yeah. about that one game. I remember the first game when the Jets played Cleveland in 1970, Monday Night Football. It's something special, and it should be just one game on Monday nights. Yeah, I think they're watering it down. I think it's terrible. How do you get the game of the week? It's Miami minus six and a half against Denver. I, I don't know. Denver could go 0-3 here, or this could be the last early stand for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And you're in Miami, and you have more information on Miami than anyone I know. How do we get this game? Yeah, I've got my ears to the pavement. I think I've some, got some good information whether Jalen Waddle plays. So you want to get that information in this big game here, just call 800-400-9741. You're going to get Miami and Denver on me. First 10 callers, 800-400-9741. How about this? The Baker's Dozen, 13 games, just $97. We're now 25-11 and 11 on the season. Documented college football in the NFL. Just one place paramountsports.com thank you lee have a great week always appreciate you thanks jt all right lee sterling paramountsports.com bet with your wallet not with your head he was two and one last week and he was adamant about florida beating tennessee even though tennessee was ranked higher when we come back the voice of the raiders jason horowitz will join us excited to talk to him about what he saw in the booth in buffalo let's put buffalo behind us and get ready for pittsburgh 
And then Shane Knighty from the Golden Knights broadcast at the bottom of the hour as the Golden Knights are opening up camp. Tequila Commissario, the award-winning gold medal and platinum-winning tequila. Proud partner of our show. Love the fact that Gavin Maloof came in this week to talk about the brand. And it's a big-time brand. Tequila Commissario, proud partner of our show.